Here we go. You are listening to Rumination Tuesday, Law and Gospel, at which time we're going to take a look at hearing the hymn, O Christ, our true and only light. This hymn was written during the wars. Uh, the man named uh, Hermann, Johann Hermann, lived 1585 to 1646, and he had a set of hymns that he referred to as pious Christian hymns of lament for times of persecution and hardship. It was written in the midst of the Thirty Years' War, and the song directs the singer away from the destruction, devastation, and disruption of peaceful daily life to the realm of faith and hope in our Savior, Jesus Christ. The hymn is modeled on a prayer by the Jesuit Petrus Michaelis, and it's for unbelievers and those who have gone astray. How touchingly in this hymn that the enemies of the church are prayed for, the weak, the faint-hearted. He, God, does not desire the destruction of his enemies, but their repentance and above all their salvation. And the English version in LSB is a reworking of the translation by our favorite translator, Catherine Winkworth. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is Pastor Mark Smith. Did you know that the translator was Catherine Winkworth? No, I, I didn't take time to look this morning who the translator was, but I'm not at all surprised. She's, she's translated a lot of these hymns, Tom. Let's go on with the first stanza. You okay. want to read that, please? Sure. Uh-huh. O Christ, our true and only light, enlighten those who sit in night. Let those afar now hear your voice, and in your fold with us rejoice. Now, we can imagine that being written during the Thirty Years' War, because the only light that we can talk about is Jesus Christ. But light is a metaphor. And, you know, this is a time to ask the congregation, 
how they consider God as a light. Did you ever have one of those machines that could zap mosquitoes, etc.? No, but I always wanted one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can imagine because you could put other little things in there like reptiles and get them zapped too. <laughs> but a lot of people think that that's what God is like, that light, and that he therefore is waiting to zap people. And as soon as you're bad, bad things happen in your life, and you assume that it's coming from God. And there was an interesting text we preached on last Sunday that God does not willingly desire the grief of anyone. That's right. So where does that grief come from if it's not coming from God? Well, Paul says in uh, this coming Sunday's epistle, he talks about uh, uh, he talks about the thorn in the flesh, a messenger's a messenger sent from Satan to buffet him, to harass him. So, God is still in control. Absolutely, complete control. Yes. So the kind of light that really Jesus is is not like that bug zapper waiting for you to show up and do a sin and get zapped by God. It's a shame so many people feel that way. I believe that that is the basis why people are worried that when they die, they will not go to heaven because of their many sins. Do you run into that? Oh, yeah, I have run into that in the past. I, uh, yeah, I, I certainly have. I remember an elderly man that was uh, that was uh, extremely sick and near the end of his life, and and uh, it seemed like the only refrain he could come up with is, "I'm just a poor miserable sinner." I'm just a poor miserable sinner. I remember him saying that a number of times. Well, he should have continued with to, it. Very important to uh, bring to bear the gospel on, on a person like that and let them know uh, all your sins, all, every last one of your sins is ta was taken by Jesus to the cross and atoned for. Every last one of your sins has been washed away in the waters of holy baptism long ago. And Jesus the light has now shined on you so that it doesn't matter what kind of experience you are having, Jesus is always there, because enlighten those who sit in night. Who's that referring to? I think that's referring to uh, the the heathen, uh, people that are that don't know Christ. Yes, people that have not heard the gospel, or could it be also it, those that have drifted away from the church? Yes. I, I think that is included also, because they feel like they're in night. How many times have we got people coming to us asking, what should I do? Where can I turn? How can I get help? Those are folks in night. It's another metaphor that Jesus is the light of the world. In fact, what was the first created item in the six-day, 24-hour creation. Let there be light. And he separated yes. the light from the darkness. Well said. 
It's funny you should bring this up, uh, Tom, that very passage, uh, Jesus is the light of the world. Uh, the church to where I'm serving, St. Paul's out in Wildwood, has yes. just beautiful stained glass windows throughout the facility. I, I would, there must be something like 40 of them. Uh, and, and one of them that I happened to notice just yesterday was Jesus is the light of the world, and it, and it, it depicted a, a lighthouse casting light upon the, upon the rocks. And uh, just, just now, wonderful, wonderful stained glass windows out there. Does the sun come through those windows? Yes, just beautifully. Yes. Yes. Well built. Yes. And uh, it's a great church, good people, and they're good people because they know they're sinners and they're in need of a Savior. And that's what you preach about every week. All right, let me read stanza two. Fill with the radiance of your grace the souls now lost in error's maze. Enlighten those whose inmost minds some dark delusion haunts and blinds. Well, guess what? We got another metaphor that there are people lost in error's maze. How would you explain that to a youngster in Sunday school, the maze? Well, a lot of these kids, you know, we didn't have these experiences when I was young, but a lot of these kids have been like, uh, like in, the, in the fall or around Hallow Halloween, they go through these corn mazes. Have you ever seen those things where these... Uh, I've seen these, them, but never farmers, gone through one. Yeah, these farmers will have these corn mazes where they'll have uh, uh, paths through the cornfield, and the kids just love to go through these corn mazes. And uh, it's, you know, sometimes you have to help them find their way through it. But they have a lot of fun. And uh, Because the corn is so tall, they can't find their way out? Right. That's right. That's the way it works. And uh, uh, But they, it's a lot of fun finding your way out of them. Sometimes it's not so easy to get to find your way. And, and explain that to these kids that uh, when you're in... When you're, if you get deep in error or you get deep in these corn mazes, sometimes you need help finding your way out. And that's the way, that's the way uh, the gospel gives us that help at finding our way out through error's maze. The so, light of the world. Can you give an example of a soul that would be lost in error's maze from a spiritual level? Well, I think of Madeline Murray O'Hara, who's of course now she's uh, she's passed on. She's 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 no doubt found out how deep in error's maze she was. I don't think she ever found her way out. And what was her problem? What did she, she was always an atheist. teach? She was an atheist. Yes. Exactly, and uh, it reminds me of the parable of uh, Dives and Lazarus. Dives saying. To Abraham, send some back to my home to tell them what's in store for them. And if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, guess what? Neither, neither will they listen if someone were to rise from the dead. Which Jesus did. Exactly. So our task, the way I look at a sermon, is to take a look at the text for the Sunday and then point out the maze in which people fall into 
by misreading the text or not understanding the purpose of the text. And so that's the law part. I, I said something last week that uh, the members I talked to about it afterward had never heard of it. It was what well, we considered the difference between God giving the law, God giving the gospel. There's a distinction we learn at the seminary, and I, I think you know it. What is it called when God gives the law? What kind of work is it? Well, that's his alien work. That is excellent, Mark. I I knew you would know the answer to that. Can you explain the difference between his alien work and his proper work? Well, it's like uh, it's kind of like a parent disciplining their child. That's oh, not what excellent. the parent. That's not what the parent wants to do. That's not what they love to do. They they really, you know, it's it's really true. This hurts you more than it hurts. It hurts me more than it hurts you to have to discipline your child. It's their alien work. What a what a what a parent and what our heavenly parent Jesus loves to do is to is to embrace us with his love and his forgiveness and and blessing. Yeah, can you imagine you're running an orphanage and two people come and they would like to adopt the child. And you ask them, why would you like to have a child? And they say, because right now at home, we don't have anyone we can punish. Yeah, forget that guy. Forget that parent, those parents. There's a perfect example. And a, a nunnery just won a Supreme Court ruling that the state said, because they wouldn't give children to homosexuals or pedophiles, they weren't allowed to do the adoption. The Supreme Court overruled that and said they can continue to do the adoption on their grounds rather than on the state grounds. Good for them. That was wonderful. You bet. All right. Absolutely. Stanza three, please. Okay. Oh, gently call those gone astray that they may find the saving way. Let every conscience sore oppressed in you find peace and heavenly rest. What do you think I consider the most important word in that verse? Well, I'll tell you what. There's something I'd like to ask you about. And what about what about that line that they may find the saving way? They may find the saving way. Can they can anyone find the saving way on their own? No, no. But when they see the shepherd coming, right, they realize that's the saving way. Right. In fact, and you could say the sheep finds his saving way, not that he saved himself, but the shepherd did. Exactly. It's like it's like that. It's like that father in the story of the prodigal son. He runs down the road, and. the, the the son was walking up the road, but the, the son was walking up the road to perhaps manipulate his father and find his way back into the father's good graces. But the father wouldn't have anything of that. He had to he had to take control of the conversation and sweep the son into his arms, and it was on his terms uh, that his son was welcomed back. Well said. You got the arrows going the right way. It's God who saves. Now right. that one word that I was kind of interested in is the second word in the verse. 
Oh, gently? Yes. No, gently. just gently. Yeah. Um, that's not something you hear very often done gently. Uh, for example, the way you look at God is the way you're going to treat others. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So if you think God is a bug zapper, guess what you're going to do with sinners? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're going to zap them. Exactly. Har- harass them with the law, you know, and har- and harangue them. No, that's not what God would do. He gently calls them gone astray. Now, sometimes his words are strong. Right. Remember what he says to Peter, who thinks yes. he's going to protect him when he goes to Jerusalem, get thee behind me, Satan. Satan. That's right. But he does that not because he's trying to zap Peter, but in order to give Peter a recognition that he is now living in unbelief at that point. And so that leads to being saved. You know, you've had kids, and when they get to, oh, age two or three, they start wanting to be a little independent until they hurt themselves. Yeah. Then what do they do? Then they, uh, they well, I, I always... <laughs> Well, I always think of that illustration about the kid that I don't want to hold your hand, Daddy. I want to walk on my own. You know, I want to I want to be independent. I want to walk on my own. Okay, okay, go ahead. And then they slip on the ice. And they slip yes. again, and then finally says, "No, you hold my hand." <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And that's really the kind of attitude toward Jesus. Yeah. I'll read stanza four. Shine on the darkened. And the cold, recall the wanderers to your fold. Unite all those who walk apart. Confirm the weak and doubting heart. Now, I know you've only been at this congregation a little while. I've been at four of them as interim pastors and about seven other congregations before this. One of the tasks I always liked doing was going to see what we refer to as delinquents, people who hadn't been at church for a while. And it was always amazing to see after one or two visits how they would return to church because they heard the gospel on their darkened and cold mind. And that was a way of recalling the wanderers to their fold, not by giving them the law saying, you better go to church or else, but saying, look at what you're missing. And I would often do the sermon from the previous week. And if the sermon contains information they've never heard, it's not long before you see them back in church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you got a lot of uh, delinquents coming back, Tom? Uh, the last congregation I was at, they had 11 delinquents, and I got eight of them to return to church. Well, that's good. That's good. Now, one of them, it was difficult. They always went and lived in Florida during the year, part of when I was there. So just letting them know. But I tell you, I just heard of a pastor 
and he was Missouri Synod, and he wasn't getting enough money. So he went and got another job, and he hardly ever saw shut-ins. For seven mm -hmm. years, he was there. The new pastor came in, and he went and visited this shut-in, and guess what? It was the first time the shut-in had had a visit in six years. Wow. That's not something that a proper pastor should be doing. No, that's right. Yeah, you, for sure. You, that's right. You got to visit All those right. people. Stanza five, please. Stanza five. That they with us may evermore such grace with wondering thanks adore. And endless praise to you be given by all your church in earth and heaven. Now, there's that one word that even when you pronounce it properly, you're wondering what it says. Such grace with, is it wandering or wondering? Wondering. Wondering thanks. I would yes. say wondering thanks. Uh, marvelous thanks. Because it's such a wonder. Yes. To, to realize that Jesus is the light of the world in the sense that anytime he's near you, his flashlight is on, guiding you the way and giving you hope and peace in circumstances that are really, really difficult. And now, then he never cares guess. so much about the individual, too. You know, it's uh, this is this is the one this is the one who's at the helm of the whole universe. I mean, everything is under his control in this vast universe, and it's all uh, it's all in the interest of his bride, the church, and it, it, not just the church at large, but he he loves you individually. He's washed you with his own holy, precious blood, and he wants you specifically to be with him for eternity. Yep, that's a that's the good news. Now, something happened at one of the churches, and uh, I thought I'd tell you about it. Uh, a, a gentleman came up to me, and you know the question he asked? He no. said, will my pet be in heaven? Oh, yes. And, I, and he said, will you answer that? And I said to him, no, I won't. He said, oh, is that because there's no answer in the Bible? And I said, Oh, no, there's answers, but it's in a book, and I'll bring it to you next week. Well, you couldn't believe how excited he was to get that book about <laughs> animals was. in heaven, pets in heaven. And what a coincidence. Had you not asked for them, I probably would not have had them ready. But I was able to pick one up and take it to him. And uh, here's a point to make. Anytime you're giving out a book to someone who asks for it, make sure you do it after the worship service because they'll end up reading it during the sermon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially yeah. especially during your sermons, Tom. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, they are trying to stay awake, and this is one way by looking at the pictures, etc., yeah, but, uh, well, I just gave away I just gave away four of those books myself, and boy, did they enjoy getting them. Oh, I know, because People I think one. I think one of the tasks that a pastor needs to do is answer questions that are rarely answered in the church, especially yeah. about morality and this sort of thing. And, and so, 
we just at uh, one congregation I'm at, they're calling their fourth pastor because the other three declined. And so we're looking forward to hear if anything comes up this week uh, as to whether he'll take. And if he does, it won't bother me because there are a number of congregations that are vacant and that I'll, I'm sure to find somewhere else. You know, Tom, there's a there's a question that plagues a lot of people right now these days with the news that is coming out, and that's about what about these these the possibility of aliens? You know, these uh, unidentified flying objects that have been uh, that we've heard so much about in the news. People have questions. Well, what about that? Where do they fit in? You know, in our in our worldview, that's something you might deal sometime with in a in a, a Bible study on the radio. Yeah, rumination. Right. Well, there are no aliens. We're the only living beings in the universe. But a lot of times the devil can pretend he's an alien. And so, yeah, there's a lot to say about that. Yeah. But it's part of the occult. And that's where the demons raise a lot of havoc. But. Thanks for taking a look at this hymn. You had some great insights. And we taught people today the difference between the alien and proper work of God. I'm Tom Baker. That was Mark Smith. Uh, Be with us next week when we take a look at a hymn that's assigned for that particular day. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.